Welcome to the Rhodes Church Podcast. We are so excited to connect with you. We hope that this podcast builds your faith and that you will be encouraged and inspired by this week's message. Hey, we're jumping into, uh, we'll start a new series of talks today. The title of it's going to be Under Construction. You got a worship guide when you came in. If you want to pull that out, there's some sermon notes available for you in there, or you can go on your YouVersion Bible app and you can get the sermon notes available there in the events section. But pull out your Bibles if you got your Bibles this morning. Let's open them up to Matthew chapter 16. Woo! Matthew 16, just happy about the Bible, happy about what God's saying, what He's doing in our life under construction. Under construction. I want to jump right into the text today and then we'll elaborate on what we feel like God's speaking to us. Matthew 16, we'll start reading in verse 13. Only when you're ready. Are you ready? The rest of you, are you ready? All right, we're all ready. Here we go, verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So they said, Well, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He said to them, But who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, You are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Jesus answered and said to him, Blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my Father who is in heaven. And I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Father, I thank you for your word. We just ask you, Holy Spirit, to speak to us. I pray, Lord, you will speak through me, that they will not hear me this morning, but they will hear you, hear what you're saying to our hearts. I pray for revelation and understanding to abound. God, reveal truth that will change our lives from the inside out for your glory in Jesus' name. Everybody say amen. amen. All right, this story here, this passage of Scripture that we're looking at is a relatively familiar, if you've been in church for very long or know much about the Bible, it's kind of a a famous conversation that, t- conversation that takes place between Jesus and his disciples. And in this story, Jesus talks about certain things and asks a question. And, you know, Peter gives this answer, this great answer. And so Jesus gives him a cool nickname. And, and so after that, then we figure out Jesus makes this statement. And here's the statement that I want to talk about that I'm kind of building on today, if you will. Jesus said there, he said, I will build my church. I will build my church. So by this statement being made by Jesus that I will build my church, we know this, that his church has been being built and it's currently being built. Jesus said, I will build my church. So the context tells us from Scripture that Jesus was telling them way back then, over 2,000 years ago, hey, I'm, I'm going to build my church. And so the message is still to us today, I'm still building my church. So I want to talk about three ways he's building the church. Three things that I hope you can zero in on 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 what Jesus wants to do to build the church today. Number one, he wants to build the church or uh, sorry, individually, individually. So this means in you. So like, what is the church? The church is not just a building. Most of the time, when we say, "Hey, we're going to build the church," people's looking for a hammer, and they're ready to come build a structure. 
And I get that. I get that, that the church is also a building. But what he's talking about in Scripture is not just building buildings. He's talking about building something greater. So these three things is what I believe he's talking about. Number one is individually he wants to build in you. You are the church. Look at your neighbor and tell him you're the church. You're the church. You say, well, like, I'm, I'm definitely not the church. You don't know me. You don't know my life. You don't know what's going on. It doesn't matter. Jesus said individually, when we accept Christ into our hearts, we become the church. So the church is about individuals first. Priority number one, when we talk about church, you think about people. It's important for you to get that for the sermon. So first, God wants to build the church in you. It's individual. It's not about anybody else. It's about you. Number two, he wants to build the church locally. That means he wants to build the church with you. Not only does he want to do something in you, but he wants to partner with you. And that locally represents the local body of Christ that you serve with. So it's not just about me and Jesus. That's part of being the church. But then he also calls us to serve with people. He wants to build the church with you, in cooperation with you. In other words, God's going to give you some things, some gifts, some talents, and he says, I want to build with you. The Bible talks about this another place, uh, place in Scripture. We can talk about it later, but he talks about we are God's building. We are his field. So God wants to build with you. Then number three, he wants to build corporately. This is the capital C or big church worldwide. This is talking about the universal church, not just one body, but the bride of Christ as a whole. And this means God wants to build something bigger than us. So here's what I want you to get. God wants to build something in you today. He wants to build something with you. And then he wants to build something bigger than you. God's wanting to speak to our hearts because he's wanting to build something in us today and, and bigger than us. We, we just got back, as I mentioned, we we're on vacation. And as I was there, I, usually when I, whenever I get to go, we didn't get re really get a chance to go last year, and, but I got to go this year, and I usually have time to reflect. It's kind of you know, that moment where I get to unplug, and, and I have a little what I call maybe a state of the union moment where I, I take an assessment of my life, my family, and my assignment. And I believe it's important for us to know and take inventory on a regular basis on those three parts of your walk with Jesus. Number one, my individual walk with Jesus. Number two, my family, and then your task or your assignment that he's called you to do. And remember that you keep it in that order. My individual life with Jesus comes first and foremost. Then my family comes second, and then my work or my assignment, my job comes third. So I was taking an assessment of that, and as I was thinking about this passage, because I knew we were going to go into this, I, was, I began to ask myself, so God, how, how are we building the church? How are we doing? I'm taking inventory. How am I building my life? How's I, how am I building the church in me? How are you building the church with me? How am I working? How's it going with people? And how are we doing something bigger than us? How are we doing as a church? Are we building something bigger than us? Because one of our core values here at the church is that we're building his kingdom. It's bigger than us. It's bigger than us. It's not just about us and our building. It's bigger than this church. It's bigger than the name on our door. It's the name on the door. Jesus is the door. So he's the one we're building about. So I just began to take an inventory about it and asking God, saying, Lord, how are we doing? Are we doing okay? You know, how am I doing in my life? How are we doing with the church? You know, we just opened our first um, service in our brand new 
campus in Mount Carmel, had our first service, and then I was gone for two weeks after that first service. And, and I'm like, okay, God, we did something that we never, we at one point didn't dream possible. We've got, a, we've got actually another campus, another town. So God, I want to ask you, how are we doing? So th- he began to speak this to me, and I want to share this with you today. Look what happens here in this conversation. Verse 13, when Jesus said this, he said, who do men say that I, the son of man, am? Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Here's how Jesus is going to build in our lives individually, locally, and corporately. He's going to ask this first question. I think this first question is important because he says, who do people say that I am? In other words, the question is like this. What's going on in culture? What's society say about me? Jesus is like, what, what's, what's happening? What's the, on, the, on the pulse of the culture? What, what are they saying about me? What are they saying about who I am? And they said, well, some say, John, how do you know about some? Or they, you know, they say, some say, others. Some say John the Baptist, some say Elijah, some Jeremiah, others. Here's what we got to be careful. we got to be careful building our life, building our standards and our values on what some say and what others say. Because what I believe God is asking here is how are we building our life? we got to be careful because some are going to say one thing, others are going to say another, but it doesn't matter what they say, it matters what you say. If Jesus is going to build something in your life, it's not going to be based on popular opinion or what culture says. I like this right now. There's a popular thing, a popular phraseology that if you follow the teachings of Jesus or want to live by the teachings of Jesus, and you come against certain social statuses or search social positions, they will say to you that you're culturally ignorant or culturally uneducated. I'm okay with being culturally uneducated because the Bible says be careful being wise in this age. Because we can be wise in this age and foolishness to God. So I would rather be foolish in culture and wise in God than to be wise in culture and be foolish to God. I would rather be wise in spiritual things and ignorant about cultural things than to be wise about cultural things and ignorant of spiritual things. God's saying to you, what are you building your life on? Are you building your life on what does everybody else say or are you building your life on what do you say? In the world we live in, we have to have something we stand for. we got to have something that Jesus has put in your heart. And he said, this is what I'm talking about. I want you to make sure that you're being free from criticism. Because if we live for the approval or the acceptance of culture or society, we will die with their criticism. If I need your approval to give me value, if I need your acceptance to give me value, then when you criticize me, it will take my feet right up from under me. But if I realize that my acceptance comes from God, then I'm not banking on the acceptance of culture. I'm banking on the values that Jesus has spoken into our hearts. Can I get an amen from somebody? See, this is what God is saying. We don't want to get our identity from other people. He, he said some some said this, some said John the Baptist. Notice this about 14, that you said John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, one of the prophets. One thing jumped out to me that I don't think I'd ever noticed before, that listing those names, all of those names represented a past experience or a previous ministry. Something old. So he said some people, it's same old, same old, nothing different. Nothing we haven't seen before. We've seen John the Baptist, we've seen Jeremiah, Elijah, some of the prophets. 
one of the biggest hindrances to building your life or building the church, building the kingdom of God is familiarity. If you're going to build something new in your life, you have to be able to walk away from something old. You have to be willing to say no to something familiar, to embrace something unfamiliar, to build individually, locally, and corporately. If the church is going to continue to make an impact, and again, I'm talking about individual church, local church, corporate church, we have, not, we have to unhitch our wagon from the things that are familiar and embrace the new thing that God wants to do in our life. So he's saying, some say this, some say that. But he asked him, what do you say? Personal question, what do you say? I know a lot of people say this, but here's what his answer was in verse 16. Peter answered, I like how Peter has some boldness about him. Sometimes sometimes Peter doesn't have the right answer. Sometimes he shoots from the hip too quick. Sometimes he has to reel it back in. Sometimes he blows off at the mouth and Jesus has to correct him. It happens even later in this chapter. But it's okay. Here's one thing I like about Peter. Peter's going to tell it like he sees it. Now, I, I realize I'm not giving people excuse to be rude. I'm not giving you an excuse to do I'm just saying what I feel. Pastor Chad said so. <laughs> nah, easy. Easy. I didn't say that. And say that. I said, let it run around the track. Peter hadn't heard one of my messages before. You can't, you got to give him some grace. But see, listen. He says, you're the Christ, the son of the living God. Boom, boom, boom. Peter gives the golden buzzer answer. He gives the winning answer. You're the Christ, the son of the living God. That's awesome. That's the right answer. Jesus said, blessed are you, Simon. That's wonderful. But how many knows this in society? The right answer is not always the cheap answer. Peter didn't know giving this answer that was totally different from what some say and others say. He didn't know at the time it was going to cost him his life. He didn't know that later on he was going to be crucified upside down because he gave the right answer. Be ready, be willing, be able in this society and culture to give the right answer no matter the cost. I want to give the right answer as long as everybody's okay with me. I want to give the right answer as long as it doesn't offend you. Is it okay? Like we we trip all over ourselves (laughs) trying not to offend people when we've got the right answer. We'll have conversations that go like this, hey, hey. Hey, listen, I'm going to ask you something. I, I know, I listen, you, I hope this doesn't fit you. I, I, don't take this the wrong way, okay? And I, I hope I don't, you know, come across the wrong way. I hope I'm not being too pushy. I'm not trying to be pushy. You know, if, this, if this is bad, don't, don't worry about it. Just, I know you're probably busy, and I know you probably can't. Just feel free to say no. You know, just, just I know. I'm just going to throw this out there. But if, it, but, but if it upsets you, I'm sorry. I just want to tell that on the front end. If it, it, I just... I know you're probably, it's probably not going to work anyway, but that's okay. And, and I'm prepared. You know, I'm prepared. It's okay. You know, it's, I understand. You know, I kind of feel the same way you do. But, you know, here's what I'm going to ask you. Would you, would you, would you mind coming to church? All of that over inviting someone to church when we have the right answer, when we have Jesus, when we have the truth of the living God on the inside of us, when we're apologizing for the truth? We don't apologize for Jesus. He's the way, the truth, and the life. This is what he's saying. Hey, I want to build my church, and I'm going to build it on the right answer, but the right answer may cost you. The right answer may cost you some friends. The right answer may cost you approval. The right answer may cost you some applause. 
Some people, the right answer in some circles will get you blessed, Simon Barjona. In other circles, it will get you crucified. But is it still the right answer? What do you say? Doesn't matter what some say. What do you say? And this is what he's saying. This is what I'm going to build my church on. You're the Christ, the Son of the living God. He said, blessed you are, Simon Barjona. Flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. You didn't get it from flesh and blood. There are things that are very real in this world. There are things that are very true in this world that we're not going to get from the five cents realm and we're not going to get from a poll on Instagram or Twitter. There are some things that God's wanting to speak into your heart that are very real and nobody else is going to get it. He said, flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you. Some said this, others said this. Notice he did not give any indication. He never said, and some say you are the Christ, the son of the living God. He didn't say that. He gave all the wrong answers. So I don't know if anybody knew. I'm sure somebody did, but you've got to be prepared that not everybody's going to know what God shows you to be true, but it's still true. Can you grasp a hold of the truth of what God has put in your heart even if nobody else sees it? So flesh and blood didn't reveal that to you. So notice what he says. I love how he's building on this. My father who's in heaven. And I also say to you that you're Peter. Here's the nickname. His name's Simon Barjona. Jesus calls him Peter. How many know Jesus has a right to change your name? If he wants to come up to me, hey, Steve. Yes, sir. Steve it is. Steve it is. <laughs> it says Peter. And the word Peter means pebble. means stone. Said so your name's Peter. And on this rock I will build my church. Now on this rock is not talking about the name of Peter. It's not the person of Peter. I didn't build the church on Peter. Peter is part of the process. We know the rock is Jesus. That the stone which the builders rejected has become the chief cornerstone. We know that Jesus is the only rock. So what is this rock that he says, I'm going to build my church on? I believe it's this. I believe it's how he said that flesh and blood hasn't revealed this to you, Simon Peter. But he said, my Father who is in heaven. I believe God's wanting to build in your life individually, locally, and corporately when we grasp a hold of this ability to hear something from God. Believe it as truth and apply it into our heart even if nobody, nobody else approves of it. Whenever I can hear from God, get revelation from God that may be contrary to everything that I see and hear, but I still say it out of my mouth, that's when he builds me. On this rock, I'll build my church. How's he going to build your life individually? When God speaks something into your life and you embrace it as truth even if some and others don't agree, that's when you begin to build when we're not waiting on the approval of others to say, hey, I'm going to change my life. This is what I'm going to do. What do you think about it? Is it okay? No. we got to hear from the Father. we got to hear from what Jesus said. And we put our standards and our values based on him, and we don't care about what others. He says, on this rock, I'm going to begin to build my church. I'm going to build them individually. I'm going to build them locally. I'm going to build them corporately. When they begin to hear from me for themselves, and they don't care if it's accepted by culture or not, they just continue to walk in the truth of God. So he says, I want to build my church. Now, what is the church? I told you it's those three things, but here's what the word church means. The word church is a Greek word, ekklesia. And it's not, some of you know this, some of you may not. It's not a religious term. Use the word church now, and it's very much a religious term. But this is the word ekklesia. 
And this word ecclesia is, instead of being a religious word, is actually a political or governmental word. This is used for a group of people who have been summoned and gathered together to govern the affairs of a city. For Jesus to use this term means he's giving the keys of governmental authority in his kingdom to the church. Governmental authority, the keys to governmental authority to the church. Now hold up before you start thinking, all right, the church is going to take over government. No, that's not what he's saying. Governmental authority doesn't mean that you're going to rule the, the uh, government that's set in place necessarily. It's giving you authority in this structure, in this spiritual structure. Because remember, the first century church flourished and they never controlled politics. They never had control of politics. So the goal is not to control politics. The goal is to convert individuals. Once we reach the individuals, then those individuals get involved with issues and they may be elected to offices and positions and all of a sudden those people start setting culture based on what's in them. Nobody has to buy them or tell them what to do. They just come bringing themselves. So we change individuals and guess what happens? You change it individually, it begins to change locally. Once it begins to change locally, now it begins to change corporately. This is what God's wanting to do in building the church. When I'm talking about church, I'm not talking about buildings. I'm talking about people. So he said, this is what I do. I want to, I want to build a church on this rock. He calls him Peter. Nickname, nicknames him Rock long before Dwayne Johnson. But look what he says. He says, I'm going to build. Here's the word build. The word build is a Greek word, oikodomio. Oikodomio. But if you use it in its full application, it sounds like this. Oiko, domio arigato, Mr. Rabato. <laughs> Everybody under the age of 40 is like, what? I don't get it. What are you talking about? This? Sticks, man. YouTube, YouTube. But anyway. I'm not promoting all of their songs. I don't know. I better make a disclaimer there. But here's what the word build means. Are you with me? Some of you just got lost in hairband. Come back. Come back. (laughs) Never mind. I'm letting a lot of thoughts run around the track right now. It says, to be a house builder, to make or construct by combining materials or parts to build up, to strengthen, or establish. Jesus says, I will build my church. Now, the word build means to strengthen. There's a couple things. I'm not trying to be deep or super smart, but it's important for us to understand Scripture. The word build is a singular first-person verb. What it means is talking about the individual speaking is the one taking the action. So that tells me who's building the church. Jesus. Jesus is building the church. I'm not responsible for building this church. Jesus is responsible for building this church. Jesus is responsible for building me. Jesus is responsible for building. But you say, okay, great, Jesus building the church. I can just back off. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Before we back off and take a back seat, we got to realize that we are not the one building the church, but we are the materials and supplies of the church. So the materials and the supplies need to show up on the job site 
before the one building can build anything. If a, if a master carpenter shows up to build a house and nobody brings any materials or supplies, I don't care how good that carpenter is, they're not going to build anything. You and I are the materials and supplies that God wants to use to build the church, and we got to show up on the job site. Can I get help from anybody in here this morning? So he's telling them, I want to build. It's also future active tense, which means it's not only taking place currently, but it will continue to do it. Jesus is building the church. Now, the word build means to strengthen. So I think about it this way. God wants to build you individually. He wants to build us locally, and he wants to build corporately. One of the essential parts of building, though, that word build means to strengthen. So I, I had this imagery that God sometimes gives us an assignment. As I was on vacation, I began to think about this. So turn, turn over to Luke chapter 6. Just a couple pages to the right, Luke chapter 6. So you're in Matthew, then you go Mark, and then Luke. It's right after that. Luke chapter, chapter 6. Turn a little quicker, would you please? Luke chapter 6. <laughs> Luke chapter 6. I'm going to start reading verse 46. This is Jesus talking. He says, but why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do the things which I say? Why do you call me? Why do you say with your mouth, I'm your Lord? Jesus is my Lord. I just don't do what he says. I go to church. Well, no, no, you are the church. He says, why do you call me Lord and then don't do the things I say? Whoever comes to me and hears my sayings and does them, I will show you whom he is like. He is like a man building a house who dug deep and laid the foundation on the rock. And when the flood arose, the stream beat vehemently against that house and could not shake it, for it was founded on the rock. But he who heard and did nothing... It's like a man who built a house on the earth without a foundation against which the stream beat vehemently and immediately it fell and the ruin of that house was great. As I was thinking on vacation about building, we were, we were there on the beach and, you know, I'm, I'm pretty decent. I don't, I don't mind, you know, going to the beach and just soaking up some good vitamin D or whatever. But I get a little antsy after a while and I need to be constructive. So I said... I said, hey, let's build a sandcastle, rallying my troops. We only had three of our kids there, so we didn't have the full squad. <laughs> but we, you know, I, I thought we could, I could rally the troops and do the best with what we had. So I called them in on the project and, and got going. And, you know, it's just flat sand. There's nothing there, but you have to begin to see potential. Like, okay, so we just, I started building a wall, and, and they, they did good. They jumped in and, and helped for a little bit. Hallie was probably the most dedicated, and Holland... A little bit, got distracted a little bit. Lucas, you know, you just never knew what he was going to be doing. He just... But there were times in the project that I'm working away, slaving away, building this sandcastle, and I look around me, and nobody else is helping me. <laughs> like I'm looking around, and I'm like this, uh, this grown man standing here building a sandcastle, and nobody's around. And as I'm building this, I'm like, God, why am I doing I'm just like hours. Bring I got a couple pictures maybe of some of the project I brought. Look at that. Look at that. <laughs> I've got some issues. Just pray for me. <laughs> just stretch your hand this way. I'm supposed to be relaxing on the beach, and this is what I'm doing. But I'm doing this for hours on end, and 
this lady comes by and she goes, wow, you must be an architect or something. I'm like, no, it's really not that difficult. You just put sand in this little box thing and you just put it down right there. But it just got, got involved in it and got putting it down. I'm at one point and nobody's around, I'm sweating. I'm like, God, what am I doing this? And I heard God whisper into my heart. He said, Chad, you're a builder. I've called you to be a builder. He said, I want you to look at what you've done. When it started out, it looked like nothing. It was flat. There was nothing there. But you built a little bit at a time. And you start putting this building there and building the wall and putting the top around the wall and all, all that. And over hours after hours, it looked like something that it didn't look like when I started. And here's what I want to encourage somebody. That God was telling me, Chad, I don't care what it looks like now. If you will stay with me and work with me. I will build something in your life. I will build something in your kids. I will build something in your church, individually, locally, and corporately, but you got to stay with it. This one guy came up to me, and he goes, hey, man. He was pretty inebriated. He'd been drinking for all the time I was working. He was kicking him back, and he came up, and he said, hey, buddy, boy, that looks good. He's from Alabama. He's there. I've just been watching you for about four hours. I was like, man, has it been that long? I need to get a life. But here, here's the thing that God said. People liked it. They, other people were bringing their kids and standing in there and getting pictures taken in my sandcastle. <laughs> like, feel free, go right ahead. Do you mind if we get a picture? Go right ahead. This one guy said, I want to take a picture and I want to tell my kids I did this while I was gone. <laughs> Feel free. Feel free. <laughs> so everybody liked it, but nobody else was doing it. People liked the benefits, but they didn't like the work. It was hot. It was blazing hot. I'm sweating all over. Sand, I'm pounding that sand. I had my knuckles, the skin would come off my knuckles. I put way too much into this thing. <laughs> I, my knuckles were all skint up from squishing the sand down in the box because you got to get the wet sand first and you got to pound it down. You got to get the right. I got a whole system. <laughs> Everybody liked the end product, but nobody wanted to work with me. Even my kids gave up. I said, Dad, you're on your own. <laughs> You've gone psycho. But here's the thing. He said, I'll build my church. I'll strengthen my church. Sometimes God gives us an assignment and he asks us to carry it. And he said, if you'll carry that, what happens is sometimes it gets heavy. And if it gets heavy, we have a choice. We could either keep carrying it or we can set it down. And sometimes when we set it down, we think we're getting away from the strain of the weight, and we are. But the thing we don't understand that God was speaking to me is that, Chad, what you think is a weight that's holding you back, I see the other side. I see the strengthening that's happening in your arms as you carry that. 
that we give up on this, the weight of something and set it down. I'm not talking about, I mean, we're going to have transitions in life, so I'm not talking about across the board. But I'm just saying, sometimes we set something down thinking we're getting free from the weight, and what we're really getting free from is the strength that God's wanting to develop in us to keep moving forward in life. Because there's something up here that God wants me to do. And over this previous season, not to these past few months, I have never had the thoughts bombarding me to quit like it's been lately. I've never had it this strong. In 13 years, I've never had this much trying to tell me to quit. And I felt the weight, the pressure that I was saying, God, I can't. He said, Chad, don't quit. Don't let go. Don't let go. I'm strengthening you because there's something up here. If you let go now, then you're not going to be strong enough to handle what I'm wanting to do in you in the future. So you got to endure under some strain, under some pressure sometimes, things that are uncomfortable, things are heavy. You're like, I can't, God. He's like, I know, but my strength is made perfect in your weakness. So if you will stay with it. But in the building process, you got two kinds of people. We had, as we were building the sandcastle, you're either part of the crew, you're like the building crew that's working on it, or you're part of the guy from Alabama. That's good, boy, that's good. He's part of the crowd. The crowd was watching, the crew was working. My question to you, and I believe that God's question to all of us this morning is, are you part of the crew building the church, or are you part of the crowd? A lot of people love to come be part of the crowd, come watch, expect somebody else to do. But I don't want to be a part of the crowd because if I'm part of the crowd on work day, I'll be a part of the crowd on payday. If I'm part of the crew on work day, I'm sweating, I'm working, I'm giving them my time, my talents, my treasures. I'm building the church inwardly, individually, locally. I'm serving with people. I got a spot on the team. I'm serving and I'm building something bigger than myself. If I will work and serve on the crew, then when it comes time for my reward, I'll be part of the crew. Because here's how I envisioned it in heaven. People going for their rewards. Long line of people getting ready to receive their rewards. And there's people over here who didn't fulfill their calling, didn't do, didn't get on the crew, and they're just watching. They're, they're applying, oh man, oh man. And I believe the people in the crowd in heaven on reward day are going to have a sense of loss. They're still going to be in heaven. Because remember, rewards are about works. Let me give you the scripture. I got to give this to you. Matthew chapter 16 says, for the son of man will come in the glory of his father with his angels, and then he will reward each according to his works. I'm not talking about getting into heaven. You don't get into heaven based on works. Rewards. Heaven is a gift. You just receive Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. But my rewards are based on what did I do with what he asked me to carry. Did I keep carrying it when it was hard or did I let it go? If I kept carrying it, he who begun a good work in me will complete it till the day of Christ Jesus. Because I don't want to be in the crowd on reward day and have regrets about not serving with the crew because I was worried about my me time. Because I want to be in line going, oh, mine's next. I can't wait. It's my turn. It's my turn. My crew, crew represent. Why? Because you served. That's what God is speaking to us as a church. He's wanting to build the church. You're the church. 
He's wanting to build you. But I don't want you to be part of the crowd. Crowds don't get any rewards. Crews do. Where my crew at? Come on, talk to me. Where's the crew that wants to build the church? Again, I'm not talking about just this building. I'm talking about right here. Build right here. Get on the crew working on you. Do something in me, God. If you'll do something in me, then he can do something with me. And if he can do something with me, him with me is bigger than me. Now I can do something bigger than I ever dreamed possible. Why? Because I first allowed him to do something in me. Build me, God. Build the church right here. Do something in this boy right here. God, I give you my life. Come on, I want to be on the crew. God, I want to serve with you. Do whatever you ask me to do. And now he's going to build with me. He's going to build a dream team. He's going to build connect groups. He's going to build relationships. He's going to do it because he wants to build something with you. You've got gifts and talents that are sitting there going dormant that God says, hey, I want to build the church, but where are my crew at? Got a lot of crowd. Great job, church people. Go ahead. Great job. Just watch my children. Great job. Where's the crew? Where's the ones? Keep it up, buddy. Looking good. There's going to be a crowd. I don't want a crowd's reward. I want a crew's reward. I'm not even looking for a once a month crew reward. I'm looking for a daily crew reward. That I wake up every day and I say, Lord, I choose to serve you this day. So I ask you this. God's wanting to build something in your life. He's wanting to build the church. You're the church. Your family's the church. This local body is the church, absolutely. But there's a whole millions of people that's called the church that's bigger than all of us. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed this podcast and would like to give, please visit us at theroads.church. To stay connected, follow us on Facebook and Instagram. You can also subscribe to our YouTube channel to watch our latest sermons.